0: coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 14th of May, 2023. Nailed it! I'd like to continue on in our study in the book of Colossians. The Apostle Paul, in chapter 2, is now laying out his argument uh, for the faith In contrast to some of the things that were being taught to the church of Colossae that would lead a person away from Christ, Jesus Christ was the highlight of Paul's ministry and message. And he said, don't be dissuaded from what you know is true. So we're going to look at three pictures that Paul paints for us There are word pictures here, but I hope that they become almost visual pictures in in your heart and mind. Uh, And Paul paints these with the idea of saying, if you realize that this is true, why do you want to leave it? Because to leave it is to abandon that. On Friday morning, we were having one of our breakfasts with the guys. And one of the guys said, what I need, and there was lots of food there. He says, what I need is a bigger plate. He says, I don't have room for everything. We've all been in a place, in a position at one time or another, who say, I can make a choice between this and that, but if I take this, I can't have that. Apostle Paul says, you can have this about Jesus Christ or not. The choice is yours. But I want you to see that if you're going to follow these false teachers that lead you away from Jesus Christ, what are you giving up? Because you can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. So let's look at this passage. It's three short verses with three graphic pictures Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 15 Jesus, uh, Paul had been talking about Jesus Christ he talked about him being the ruler over all talks about our identification with him last week we talked about circumcision and baptism how we're identified with Christ And now he comes to verse 13 and he says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God hath made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling out the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross." And he disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So I want to look at these three pictures that Paul paints for the church there at Colossae. And even though that was some thousands of years ago, we can see that these apply to us today as well. There's still the same thing. He begins by saying, after talking about being identified in baptism uh, with Christ, he says, "You who are dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven all our trespasses." When he talks about the uncircumcision of the flesh, he's talking about Gentiles. Gentiles didn't necessarily weren't circumcised. That was the Jewish thing. Doesn't mean that Gentiles couldn't and and could, but it wasn't as m- a normal thing as as opposed to the Jews. But he says we're not talking about the circumcision of your fl- flesh. We're talking about the resurrection. I want you to think for a moment. All of us have probably spent some time in a graveyard. Maybe it is someone that you knew, friend, acquaintance that was laid to rest there, maybe family member. And there is some sort of a finality to that when we think in terms of we won't see that person again. Well, as believers, we say, yes, we will. We'll see them in heaven. But we won't round the corner in our house and see them. Or we won't, go will be on the street and go by a place where we normally met up and we know that they won't be there. But Paul writes to the church at at Colossi, and said, can you imagine what it would be like if on this day, maybe your mother had passed away and you were going to go to the gravesite and honor her, put some flowers down and what it would be like if we went there and and the grave was open and there was no casket. Nobody. And we we looked around and we go, What's going on here? And then we get a tap on the shoulder. And we turn around and there's the loved one. Would that be startling? Oh, for sure. Well, that's exactly what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, the women went to the tomb. And they found it open, and Jesus was gone. And then they go, where did he go? Where did they take him? As if someone had carried him off. And then they saw Jesus, and they go, do you know where they take him? He says, hello? Here I am. And you go, wow. Alive. Alive. And Paul paints a picture here. He says, God made alive together with him. And there's a picture of spiritual death and life. We looked at the picture of baptism last last week and the idea of we were buried together with him in baptism and as Jesus Christ died, And was put into the grave. And then he rose again. He says, we too were raised with him to newness of life. And he talks about that right here. We made alive together with him. What was our previous condition? Our previous condition, he states it right here. We were dead in trespasses. sin. Sin is one thing. Sin could be any kind of expression in opposition to the things and the ways of God. But trespasses is another whole thing. Trespasses is going someplace where you know that you shouldn't be. When you go past that gate that says, no trespassing, and you go by it and you look at it you know that this isn't a mistake this is now a choice i'm gonna i'm gonna go in there maybe it says wet paint don't touch and you go to touch it oh (laughs) the sign was right anyway trespass is something deliberate and so whether it was our sins or our trespasses We were dead in them. In other words, we weren't alive to the spiritual condition. We were dead in our spiritual condition. And scripture says there, we were raised with him from dead, made alive together with him. We needed God's grace because we couldn't get there ourselves. We had no power to overcome sin or any way to atone for our sin and in some cases we didn't even care but Paul writes to the church at Corinth I mean at Colossae and says that's not the condition of a believer the condition was that way but our current condition is something together. We were made alive together with Christ. He shows us then his power. Look Looking back in verse 12, you also were raised to get to get with him through faith in the powerful working of God. What does it take to get somebody out of the grave and make them alive? You go, well I'm not sure I know how to do that. But that's exactly what Paul reminds the church there. That's exactly what God did to the person of Jesus Christ and spiritually that's what he does in the life of a believer. We talk about miracles in the world today and I do believe it that God works miracles but one of the best miracles he does is he makes dead men alive. That's what he's talking about. It took God's power to make you alive spiritually. It wasn't something you could pull off. It wasn't something that you could work through and come out the other side successfully. And in this life, we aren't just alive now, but we're alive in a better way than when we were living in this world physically. In this life, we're transformed. That's what Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. And the word transformed is the word that we have in our English language, metamorphosis. Imagine, imagine the life of a caterpillar on a leaf going around, munching, getting his nourishment, and he goes, now I want to get to that bunch of leaves right over there. Oh, I've got to follow the stem down to the branch and back over here and then back over here and back up that branch over to those leaves. Oh, there's some more over there, down that... You go, man. The word metamorphosis is the same one that we use to describe caterpillar going to a butterfly. Butterfly now has something that caterpillar never had: had wings to fly. Now he's sitting on the leaf and he goes, What about that leaf over there? there. Could never do that before when he's a caterpillar. Can do it now as a butterfly. How about those leaves? How about another tree altogether? together? And that's the picture that Paul paints for the believers there at Colossae. He goes, do you realize what kind of new life that you have in Christ? It is not just being made alive, but you've been made better. We have been prepared as well for eternity. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7, it says, And he raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus we never had that before. Apostle Paul says, warning, are you ready to give this up? Are you ready to give up this new life in Christ? With this ability to live a life on a whole different plane than, than how you lived before? Are you ready to give that up to follow some false teacher? Be warning, you can only have one and the other. You can't have them both either Christ in the life or he's not. We come to the conclusion of the first segment verses verse 13 and he says every believer should appreciate this new life in Christ. And the question is do we appreciate this new life in Christ? Paul shot shot across the bow and said warning Know what you're given up if you're going to follow these false teachers. Know what you have in Christ. Do you appreciate what you have in Christ or not? The second one he has is, is found, and it's another whole picture, not only the idea of being raised to newness of life, but he paints another picture. He says, And how did he do this? He says, by canceling out the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Here's a good trick question you can ask your friends. Okay? What three things were nailed to the cross in which Jesus Christ hung? Hmm. Well, Jesus Christ? (laughs) Yeah, that's one. Number two? a sign that says the king of the Jews, right? Written in three different languages. What was the third thing? There's a third thing nailed to the cross. Do you know what it was? Right there, I just read it. He says, counseling out the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What the picture here is one that's easy to imagine. It is an IOU. Periodically, there'll be a show about some gambler sitting around the table playing cards. And as they're playing cards, one guy is losing. <laughs> He's losing bad. And pretty soon he comes to the end of his money, but he wants to keep playing. Well, first of all, I don't recommend that that kind of card playing, but let's say he's gotten to the place where he's gotten to the end of his money. So he sits down and he writes out an IOU and, and the owner looks and says, okay, I'll honor that. And so he keeps playing and he loses some more. And he says, uh, can we up that a little bit? And he signs another little thing. I owe you this now. That's the picture here. Our previous condition was that we owed a debt. And we couldn't pay it. What was the debt? Well, we had sinned. The wages of sin is what? Death. death. What? How did we need to pay it off? Oops. We needed to pay it off by death. It is a record of death. And what would our enemy say? Two things. First of all, the enemies of our soul would say, oh, just put more on account. Just, oh, a little bit more. And then would point to our failures and say, Oh, he deserves to die. Or she deserves to die for the sin against you, Lord. He they owe and owe and owe. You're not going to release them, are you? They've signed in their life a, an IOU that they can't. and we'll hold it over their head. So Jesus has a picture painted for us by Paul and he says, he made us alive with him having forgiven all of our trespasses and canceled out the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. <laughs> the picture here is an interesting one. Because how did we get in such a different situation? Well, we can say it's our sin. But it really is our sin against the statutes of God. The word that he uses here, the record bed that stood with its legal demands. That is the teaching, the dogma that is true. God's high holy standards, like in the law, are there for us to read and see. And we go, have we ever told a lie? Have we ever not had... God first place in our life. And we go right down through the record of wrongs there. And you go, yeah, we violated that one and violated that one. And what was Jesus Christ's response? Let's take these things and obliterate them and we'll do it by taking the things that you have violated and nailing it to the cross and I'll pay that debt. So Paul has mentioned two options now, one do you want to give up this new life in Christ that is a new improved way of living? And do you want to go back and have all those debts put back on you? Ones that you couldn't pay by yourself? Do you want that? If you abandon Jesus, you abandon what He can do for you. No longer under the law. The law has been satisfied by the payment on the cross we come to our second statement. Every believer should be relieved that our sin debt has been paid. Do you appreciate that? Are you relieved that you don't have to pay this debt that you owed but you couldn't pay? Is it nice to have somebody step in and pay that penalty for you? Or do you want to choose some other religious way of being spiritual and abandon Christ and not have that? I painted one more picture. That is paid on verse 15. And he says, And he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame By triumphing over them in him. This has got to be something harsh for Satan to swallow. Because just when Satan thinks that he has Jesus just where he wants. I'm going to put him on the cross. I'm going to kill that guy. I'm going to get this thorn in my side. Out of my way. God is sitting there going. Go ahead Satan. Do that. Mm -hmm. but I'm going to raise him up and then be victorious over you. And so the third one here is, he says, he disarmed rulers and authorities. Our previous condition was that the enemies of our soul were victorious over us on a daily basis. We were fighting, losing battles in the spiritual arena that we could not win because the ones that were against us were more powerful than we ourselves standing alone. Paul points to that same sort of thing in Romans chapter 6 when he says that um, we had a master over us that we listened to. the world would, and Satan would say, jump, and our response was, how high? We didn't have any other alternative. It's all we knew is how to go about being defeated over and over and over again spiritually. Apostle Paul said here in this passage, but things have changed, things have changed what happened on the cross is that those enemies of our soul, he vanquished. And then, if that wasn't enough, he disarmed them. The term there, the word disarm, is literally what you would think. He took all their armor, he took all their swords, he took all their shields, and he cast them in a big pile, and they don't have any way to do any damage or defend themselves against Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians as well, chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So what we have here, I just want to paint that little picture again. We have a picture of an enemy that was warring against us. And now Jesus Christ has disarmed them. And not only that, it wasn't enough just to disarm him. It says, And put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The word shame is the same word that's used in Matthew, the first chapter, when when um, Joseph discovered Mary was pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the dad, and he says he was mindful to put her away privately so that she would not be shamed. Same word. Only here it says the Lord shamed those he conquered. Hence the picture on the front of your bulletin. It's hard to see a little bit. But it's a picture of what happened in Roman days. And they would have known about this. Because the people who were reading this were conquered by the Romans. They would have known about this. And this is what would happen. A general would defeat his foes. Of course, there would be losses. But then it would take all the military hardware off the losers, and then they would have a big victors parade and go down through the middle of the city and they would proudly march with all their banners furling and flying and and the crowds would be gathered on either side sort of like a rose parade. And they would be laughing, laughing and clapping and cheering for the Conqueror. But at the tail end of this parade would be all those conquered ones. And they would be stripped of all their weapons. They would be in chains. And they would be herded down the middle of the street. And the people, after cheering for the those that were the victors, would come now to where the enemies were. And they would laugh. And they would jeer. And those at Colossae had seen that picture. And that's the picture that Jesus, that Paul paints, that Jesus did to our spiritual enemies. He said, Not only will I strip them and disarm them, but I'm going to make a show of them openly. Now here's the picture I'd like for you to be to see. Imagine this great procession, the general and all of his soldiers in their in their best outfits, as they're marching down through the city and the crowds on either side cheering for them, and now comes tailing behind the enemy in chains and bondage. And you have a little kid who runs out and pokes one of them. And you go, what would allow that kid to do that? It's because that kid knows that that foe has been defeated. And Paul paints this picture with the church at Colossae. He says, you realize that your enemies have been defeated Christ had made a show of them openly, and they are shamed by their position now, as Jesus Christ has proved himself to be conqueror. And you go, Well, that's fine, Pastor Tim, but I've read Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, it says, We're still up against these guys, we're still up against spiritual powers and entities that are warring against our soul. How can you say that they're dead? Well, there's two things. First of all, we're no longer defenseless. No longer defenseless. Before we were defenseless, we couldn't stand up against the attacks of Satan. But now we have spiritual armor. Before our enemies were always able to take us out. Not so now. Now. And that's why Apostle Paul says, well, put on that spiritual armor. God has provided it for you. So when you go up against these spiritual forces and they go to attack, what do you raise? Shield of faith, which shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Before they always found their way home. Now you got the shield of faith. Raise that up. And he says, you're protected. And I love this verse, verse 13 of chapter 6. It says, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Who comes out in the end? The winner, the believer, whose victory was secured by Jesus Christ. We we'll come to our third point. Every believer should rebel that we have a defeated enemy. So we can turn these three statements around and say, do you want to follow a false teacher and abandon this new life in Christ? Do you want to follow a false teacher and have the debt of your sin laid back on you? Do you want to follow the enemies of your soul and keep being beaten by them or not? The choice is for you. And as Paul was writing to the church at Colossae, he says, do you see what we have in Christ? Why would you choose something different? Why would you want to listen to somebody else tell you a story that will lead you away from Christ when in Christ, these things are true about you? And without Christ, they are not. So don't listen to those false teachers. Don't listen to anybody who would cause you to go astray from Christ. Because in Christ, you have new life. In Christ, you have your debt, sin, already paid for. And in Christ, you are in a world with a defeated enemy. And one day we get to join Jesus Christ in presence for all eternity. The choice is yours. Which way do you want to go? I know how I want to go. Following Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for... These three three short word pictures of a resurrected Christ a a debt that uh, has been paid for and nailed to the cross and then a defeated enemy the Heavenly Father may we keep these in our hearts and mind so if we would be in the presence of somebody who would speak ill of Jesus Christ we would go, no, you don't know what I have in him. And to that we can rejoice and draw confidence. And we give thanks in his name. Amen.